The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Paxton Wright. With me is my co host, Justin Kiever. Say hello, Justin. Hello. Haha. We nailed it. Perfect. And we're just going to go right into the show. I'm not going not gonna to comment on any flawed or long in the tooth intros, and we're just going to go right into it. Uh, so, first half of the show, you know the drill. We talk, we talk news and we talk pop culture and we talk what have yous in the realms of media today. Uh, but before we do that, you know, I'd like to give you a little window into our lives, into the, our exciting lives uh, at, at home, trapped between four walls perpetually for the foreseeable future um, and all the excitement that, that comes through there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Aren't you having a blast? I'm I'm feeling so good. Oh god. I've become best friends and mortal enemies with myself simultaneously. Um oh I've just done the latter. <laughs> yeah, who am I kidding? The, 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 the former the former died in like mid-May. Um but uh beyond that, um I I suppose now is as good a time as any. For any uh, remotely regular listeners, I, I, I alluded a few weeks ago to um, gaining employment, uh, but was not really in a position to say just yet what said employment is, because it was entirely possible that it would fall through. Well, the good news is I haven't been fired yet. Uh, so I am proud to announce for all you listeners who are uh, thrilled to know what's going on in the world of Pax and Right, that I have, uh, I've, I've, uh, managed to find employment in the world of COVID as an intern at Sirius XM Satellite Radio on Stars 109. Uh, so you can, I would say you could hear me, but I don't get on the mic, but you can you can know that my presence is felt uh, every day on Stars 109 on both uh, the Jess Cagle show and Sex with Emily. The, the, and I'll be there for a while. So please by all means tune into those shows anyway that's sort of my big what what's up in my neck yeah. of the woods how about that's, you oh uh I, nothing <laughs> I, I don't have a single thing there's nothing happening in my life no news no i i've been at home today i ate eight cheesy uh breads uh, that i got at trader joe's that's my big achievement things are going good there's nothing to be bashful about cheesy breads. Cheesy breads would L- listen, listen. If I gained employment um, at a pretty exciting job and ate cheesy bread on the same day, and then at the end of the day I was asked what I did today, I would say I ate cheesy bread. Oh yeah, and then there was this job thing too. Hmm. So, 
Maybe Max, my priorities are just warped. I'm, I'm going to say maybe. <laughs> because I feel bad. Like, my, my stomach doesn't feel good. I, I, like, I, I don't recommend eating a lot of cheesy bread, especially not when it's, like, 90 degrees outside. I, like, my one thought today is, like, huh, you know, I got the cheesy bread snack, and I should have just gotten ice cream. Because if I'm going to, you know, make a mistake, it should at least be a cold mistake. Well, I I can't um, I I can't find a silver lining in that statement. Um, you 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 raise a valid point, but to be fair, the highlight of cheesy bread is never post cheesy bread. It's never been post cheesy bread for anybody. The 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 height of cheesy bread is is the actual consumption. The height of of seeing a, a, a John Wick film is not to to watch the credits roll by. It's to watch John Wick uh, do his thing and and hurt bad people. So so the solution that you're proposing here is that I just simply never stop eating cheesy bread. Yes. All right. I don't even have to take a beat to think about that. It's a resounding <laughs> yes. I see no consequences that could come well, with making that decision. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take your advice, Paxton. And I just want to go ahead and let the listeners know that this will be the last week that I appear on this show. <laughs> and you can read my obituary in uh, probably about three or four days. <laughs> Here lies Justin Kiever. He loved the cheesy bread. He died doing what he loved. And that's what matters. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, congratulations on the, on the job. That's incredibly cool. Uh, like, that's a huge deal. Seriously, congrats, Paxton. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. I'll, I'll, if, I, if I had a soundboard with me right now, I'd be playing some applause. Although we are pre-recording this, I can add stock applause sound effects in right after the show. In fact, I'm going to make a note to do that right here. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. Oh, you, you guys are too much. Stop it. Stop. Okay, stop. Stop. We have a show. Stop. Stop. My God. Okay, this is getting excessive. This is getting it. This is a problem. They're getting louder. <laughs> they're, they're getting rebellious. They're forming into an angry mob. My God, they've stopped applauding. Now they've got pitchforks and, and knives. Oh, good Lord. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm so glad you're editing this week. <laughs> I know, I've, I've made a horrible decision. I've really, I even told you before we started recording that like, I want to keep this show concise and simple. So the less work I have to do in post, the better. And I've, uh, I've already botched that decision. The angry mom They're still going, all right, guys, you've made your point. Go home, stop it. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Go on ahead. <sighs> They're gone. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, that was stupid. Um, what's what's going on and what's going on in the news, Justin? The fun stuff going on in the news, not the not the sad, um, existentially threatening stuff. Oh well, if you're interested in the fun news, well, wouldn't you say that play is fun? Uh, nine out of ten times. Okay. Well, what would I? What if I told you there was a station on which you could play? The fifth one of these stations on which you could play. Are you talking about one of those Xboxes that I hear so much about? Uh, that's right. I'm talking about the release of the RTX 3080 from NVIDIA, which was today <laughs> and was a huge uh, disaster. Uh, no, uh, I, I think like the, the big news that we can talk about, um, especially because it relates to 
some past conversations that we've had about a uh, game uh, about like physical game stores is the uh, announcement of the price of the PlayStation 5 and like this big which was part of this like uh, not press conference because they're not press conferences anymore because there's no press at these things because it's all remote so I don't know, like, what are these actually called? They're like events, broadcasts. Uh, what was it? What was the? I think they're called like keynotes now. Is that the the Apple one the other day was called a keynote? I, mm. I don't, I don't think it matters. I think it's all, it's all irrelevant. It was a thing where announcements were made. I mean, to be fair, E3 was technically a press conference that hasn't really been a press conference for like a decade now, even prior to COVID. It's really just been a convention. Um, so it's whatever you want to call it it's a it's a hoot nanny let's just call it a hoot nanny all right so yeah there was the the playstation hoot nanny um i watched probably about half of it and then got bored and just started like skipping through to see if they were showing a game that i thought looked cool and uh they mostly didn't do that to be honest but um yeah, I don't know. How much of that, uh, how much of that Hootenanny did you watch? So I actually, uh, I didn't watch any of the Hootenanny uh, other than a few trailers. Um, I, I sort of, I sort of kept up uh, with the sort of general hoobla of the whole thing uh, by way of, of, yeah, social media and cultural osmosis in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I guess as far as trailers, Demon Souls is kind of cool. That's okay. neat. Yeah, actually, that that was like the one. That was like the one trailer that I had like a meaningful reaction to. Okay, no, I guess they did show that one Resident Evil trailer and I really liked Resident Evil 7. So I'm actually really looking forward to uh, to 8, whatever that, whatever it's called, like Village <laughs> 8, Resident Evil, Resident Evil 8 Village. <laughs> That's probably the actual title. Resident Evil 8 Village, explain. Scream 4, Scraform. <laughs> yeah, the trend is back, baby, in a big way. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that Demon Souls trailer uh, happened, and it was it was a bizarre trailer because I'm just like imagining not knowing not knowing what Demons or Dark Souls is, which I'm sure the people watching like this keynote probably do know because they're the kind of person that watches a PlayStation keynote, which suggests that they're a massive dork. <laughs> um, so they probably know what a souls game is but like looking at that trailer like uh it was basically a gameplay trailer with no ui uh when you don't know like what's going on in a souls game they're honestly really boring to watch like they're like the gameplay is boring to watch like the actual like mechanics of how combat works in those games is oh excuse me i'm not terribly interesting Feel, I mean, it feels great to play. And like, if you know what's going on, like, you know, like there was like, there's like a moment where this like soldier hacks a guy and you go, oh, he hacked a guy. And then he parries a guy and you go, oh, he's there. That's what the parry looks like. And like me as someone who, you know, has played all of like all of these games and, you know, especially Demon Souls, I was like, okay, yeah, I see what they're doing. They're demonstrating like the way like certain just, you know, kind of a uh, key actions are executed uh but yeah i don't know otherwise that came yeah that trailer happened and i am of two minds on that just because like it's cool that i get to play another version of demon souls uh it doesn't look like the way i want demon souls to look which is to say it doesn't look incredibly grimy 
like yeah what were your what were your thoughts on that at all have you have you played demon souls well see that's the thing is as as, as a uh i i actually share your perspective that you were speaking of of like kind of outsiders looking in because the entire souls franchise is one that i've sort of been in the dark on for so long um i i sat out demon souls when it first came out that was back when like 07 or 08 um and then yeah the first you know souls souls one through three happened and i then by the time like i really felt like i should get around to them uh i felt like sort of the the moment had come and gone despite the despite the continuing popularity of the franchise and of from soft games on a whole like bloodborne and everything um there is something that is so impenetrable about it i've tried my hand at dark souls one a few times uh and fallen off every single time and that's not to say i don't even that's not to say i dislike a challenge in a game it's not to say i i dislike punishing games when they're still fun and ultimately fair uh hotline miami for instance is like what the both those games are like some of my favorite games of the tens um but there is something that is so yeah that is so unwelcoming and so user unfriendly about at least dark souls one considering it's the only one i've touched um that to me it has it has put me off every time and i trust that i would i would probably love the franchise if i really gave it a fair shake but i've thus far been unwilling to give it a fair shake and i know demon souls is kind of given that it was sort of the precursor to dark souls kind of its own sort of ball game entirely um and one that is a bit more divisive among FromSoft fans on a whole if i've gathered that correctly am i am i right um in uh, that analysis probably i mean it's the one it's definitely i mean it's its own thing lore wise like it is uh it has no connection to dark souls outside of basically having the same like the same combat system and a similar kind of inventory system like i think the reason dark souls kind of like took off in the way that it did and demon souls didn't um was uh well i think in large part i think dark souls was a one, I think Dark Souls was released on PC uh, and Demon's Souls wasn't. And uh, even though the, the original uh, port of Dark Souls to PC was a mess, like there was like a fair, there's a fairly famous mod that um, like fixed a lot of the problems with it. And uh, yeah, and I think like the release on PC, like, you know, just PC gamers are more into hard, like really hardcore games because they're, the kind of people that are going to invest way too much money into games and like they really take on that like toxic gamer identity uh they're, they're like they're more prone to doing that let's say this is someone with a gaming pc and who's about to build another gaming pc you know for what it's worth i mean demon souls like demon souls is weirder than dark souls it's um a much less it is a less pretty game and it also it doesn't have like the open world structure that like people really latched onto with a uh, with Dark Souls, because like Demon Souls the way it works like it's um, in some ways actually more straightforward and in some ways actually kind of a lot more confusing. Where Demon Souls, you get like four different worlds basically, and then you and there are like kind of like levels that are separated out by bosses. But the thing is like if you try and go through all of world one, like you're going to hit a wall where basically it becomes too hard to proceed until you level up in like some of the other worlds. So 
figuring out how exactly to progress and what order you're supposed to do things is pretty much impossible unless you're like using a progress guide online. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so it's, I'll say uh, to you Paxton, I think the place to start is Bloodborne. Like that is, that seems to be the one that people kind of like, like that seems to be one that clicks for people if they've like bounced off of Dark Souls and you really should play these games because they're amazing. Um, that's, that's kind of my thinking. And I will say uh, from a purely aesthetic standpoint, uh, Bloodborne is by far and away the most intriguing to me. Um, even though like I, I've heard, I've heard people compare Dark Souls um, in a sense to kind of like some of uh uh like zelda's more oddball titles like i hear it compared to majora's mask on an aesthetic point uh occasionally i don't see it but i've i've heard that comparison made um and i i feel like there's probably some line some some dots to be connected there that i'm, I'm unaware of as an outsider um but i think you're right i would say honestly the closest thing i've had to experiencing um any of FromSoft's titles uh wasn't a from soft game it was a clone was uh what was it the star wars game that came out last year jedi fallen oh, order fallen order yeah. which is essentially like baby's first souls it's um, um it's more similar to uh, sekiro oh interesting okay. um yeah it's like it, which you know is another from soft right. game um i think probably the least essential to be honest but yeah like the, the parry system in uh fallen order is like very very similar to the parry system in sekiro huh well, uh, uh, I mean, sort of, we've we've gotten a little a little off topic here, but it, it's you know, I'm I'm always I'm always uh, intrigued to learn more about this franchise that maybe I'll one day take a crack at. Um, yeah, I guess in short, play play Bloodborne. Uh, the Demon Souls trailer they released looks way too pretty. Um, the company that's making that Blue Point kind of did the same thing to Shadow of the Colossus, except I think it like they're sort of like you know maximalist uh, like their maximalist tack toward uh, remaking like these kind of like classic fantasy games worked better for Shadow of the Colossus than it will for Demon's Souls because Demon's Souls like is an ugly, greasy game. And I think that's like really uh, a core part of its, um, of its personality. But anyway, yeah, there were other things at that event. I suppose we should talk about those. Um, and, and also more important news, I guess. So like we could talk games. We could also talk about the uh, the two consoles that they're releasing and the massive price difference between the two. Yeah. Uh, so we are now looking at, uh, yeah, two different PlayStation 4s being released at launch uh, November Fives. 12th. Uh, play five, excuse me. Um, oh, God. Uh, uh, being released November 12th of this year. Uh, one with a disk drive for $499, US, uh, which I still only ever hear in that uh uh e3 2007 599 us dollars voice whenever i read that um and uh oh old memes uh and then uh one without a disc drive uh for digital only games uh at 399 us dollars um it's it's a pretty cut and dry obvious choice i think if you're going to go with playstation uh, which one to go with if you are a remotely frugal consumer um and it's a uh it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a i was gonna say bittersweet but no i'll just say like kind of bitter announcement for me honestly because even though we've all known for honestly since the 
PS3 360 era uh, that we were eventually on our way to a fully digital medium. Um, it's sad to really kind of see the last nails in the coffin for physical media uh, because I have been uh, a, a, a I've been like a, a physical media grandpa a little bit. I have uh, through thick and thin throughout the PS4 generation um, stuck with discs as much as possible. Um, it, most of the games I own are still on disc. I, I get that they are kind of pointless and their install times are kind of insanity and and you also have to deal with you know shelf space being taken up and there there's a million there's a million gripes to have with discs and very few very few pros you can really address at this stage in the game uh but i like having a physical collection i i like i like the feeling of of picking up a game case i like going to a brick and mortar store to get a game it, it feels nice and warm and cozy and fun uh but i'm not gonna drop an extra hundred dollars just to continue uh purchasing frankly completely antiquated technology and i think it's a really really safe assumption to make at this point that a vast majority of consumers are gonna be in the same boat yeah and it's also like it's not just the uh, the PlayStation either. The um, the Xbox is releasing its Series S that um, right. doesn't have a that does not have a disc drive. It's also a less powerful machine, so like it's the 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 difference is not quite as straightforward with uh, Microsoft's consoles as it is with uh, Sony's. But yeah, I mean, like really the yeah oh yeah no like GameStop's gonna be dead and like if they're not dead by the end of 2020, they're going to die in 2021. Like that yeah. is uh yeah like that's that is the end of that uh store yeah um and yeah no i mean it's a it is kind of a shame i mean like i i used to be a disc guy i think there were a couple things that got me to uh stop being like such a collector uh one of them was i got kind of I mean, there's basically a point where, you know, like indie games are pretty much all distributed digitally, you know, like, and so I could never really display like indie stuff in my, in my collection, uh, you know, which is like, yeah, part of the reason that you get, you know, something physical is like have a collection that you can look at and also that you can kind of like show people and be proud of. And honestly, you know, it was like this thing where I was basically buying physical copies of like the dumb blockbuster things that I'm kind of embarrassed that I play. And then like all of like the stuff that I actually like am proud that I own and proud that I have experienced uh, is like all like sitting on my computer or like or hidden away in my like PSN library or something. But um, the other reason I became less of a uh, less of a disc guy was the realization like there, there was a, an extent to which um, disc people like me and like people that I knew uh, wanted to get discs because there was a sense of like owning the files, basically, like a sense of like, okay, like I, you know, um, I, I have, I'm not just renting this from a company. I have this thing. I can, you know, I have these files and I can do things with them. Uh, I think that has become less and less true over time yeah like you know like our um and like i don't think and probably has like you know never been true at least in the um 
at least you know in this generation of like consoles for example like these uh uh yeah like you know like the, these discs are still like tied to like you know like yeah like like uh th they're tied to licenses there are um you know a lot of these things like you know like they can just require like uh, that you log in online or something like that like there are like all of these like various measures in place to restrict our access to files on disks and kind of like realizing that just owning the physical thing does not release me from that power structure I, like it didn't you know <sighs> it should have made me a hacker is what that, sh what that should have done. Like it should have like, you know, made me like want to like resist even more and like start pirating stuff and like, you know, have like a hacked PS4 or something. Uh, the result was ultimately the opposite where I just kind of gave in and was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like there's like always going to be some kind of like restriction on, um, on like my ownership of this, uh, of this game. So I'm just going to give myself over to it cause it's the same either way. Right. Uh, which is, you know, the other thing is that like, that's kind of the way a lot of media is going. Like, you know, in games, uh, you know, Microsoft's been pushing this via its Game Pass thing. Like it really wants people to buy a Game Pass subscription. Um, Sony seems less into that, but uh, there is a, um, but there's like, there's some kind of like, like so there's some kind of suit happening right now uh, that has to do with the Internet Archive uh, renting out uh, or like lending books to people, like lending digital books to people. Uh, some like some Star Wars novel author and a few other people uh, got real angry about that and like, are trying to get that shut down. And the way it seems like publishers are intervening in that suit is they're using this as an opportunity to make it so basically it becomes illegal to uh, copy anything from a book. Like, you know, like, so like, like just making photocopies of a book will essentially be, be illegal. And effectively, when you buy a book, you're actually renting that content from a publisher, which is basically the relation that we are stepping into with games when, you know, like when discs die, all that's left are these like, you know, controlled platforms, you know, like all we'll have is Sony's store, Microsoft's store, Valve's store, Epic's store. Um, and, you know, like, the, and that's the thing is like, it seems like games are probably like the fact that that is basically happening next generation, like this year, like this year, next year with games, uh, that's kind of like a canary in the coal mine thing for basically like all of media you know like assume we're just going to be renting from these corporations and we will never own anything again yeah wow that was a that was a a, a, ch a chipper note to wrap up the segment on <laughs> sorry i think we wanted to keep it light and then <laughs> i mean Whoops. uh uh you know when you're when you're entering you know the world of of uh of sad 1970s sci-fi movies um, it's hard not to comment on it constantly, uh, but it is what it is, and uh, I, 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 I guess we'll get through it together, or just accept more rather accept it and normalize it together, and it'll it'll be fine in a few years. Whatever, it is what it is. Anyhow, uh, uh, we are going to have to take a quick break, and we will be back momentarily. So stay tuned, everybody. See you in a bit. 
You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Justin Kiever, and with me is my co-host, Paxton Wright. Say that's, hello, Paxton. Hello. And Now you can say that's me. And that is me. All right, there we go. Nailed it. So, <laughs> this is Feast, feast in, the um, uh, in the Weast. In the Weast. In the Weast. It's not in the Weast. It's Feast in the Weast. That's right. Um, yeah, and this is where we talk about the media that we've been feasting on. <sighs> and uh, this week, we've been uh, actually partaking of the same feast. So, we get to excitedly uh, talk about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. It, it's so good. It's so good. I I don't... This is one of those things where it's like, I feel like I have everything to say about it and also nothing beyond it's so good. It's just... I. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the show, or you talked about it because you'd been playing the demo, yeah, um, the warehouse demo, and and you were singing praises of it. And, and we sort of went into this uh, uh, sort of... Uh, nostalgic regaling of like our both peripheral relationships to skate culture which was largely uh introduced by way of the original tony hawk franchise um but but the the original games i hadn't touched since since middle school um and and so yeah i i i sort of took a little while to get on the bandwagon for this one but after seeing that 40 dollar price tag and hearing nothing but glowing reviews i was like yeah let's 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 hop back into this. And uh, oh my God, it's, it's, I, it's, I can't remember the last time I like played a game that I really ultimately at the end of the day, like can say is pretty close to perfect. Yeah. It's like, it, like the one major problem that I have with it is I don't like the graffiti mode in multiplayer. And also the, the way they like handle skater progression isn't great. Um, which is to say, like, in the old games, basically, you would, like, uh, every skater would have, like, their own kind of, like, independent progression through all the levels. And so, you know, like, you as you play, you gain stats, and also you redo the goals. And now, basically, once you finish the game with one skater, the game is finished. And then to max out the, stat, the, the stats on all the other skaters, you just go into the levels and collect the stat points. It's kind of lame. Yeah, that that is, uh, yeah, that that is a big issue that i have with it too i have a hunch they'll have to they'll have to patch that eventually right there have to be too many like people can't be chill with that i don't think right yeah like there has to be i would imagine they would introduce some kind of mode that like you know maybe they don't give you like the problem is that there is like a they have added a progression system like a general progression system for like you the player that's like tied to your like you know profile and the, the problem would be like abusing uh, experience gaining, basically. You know, experience doesn't really do that much. You know, like this isn't like, you know, a, a game like a Call of Duty where, you know, like how much experience you gain is tied to like unlocks of like things that give you like a boost in multiplayer. But nonetheless, like it would still mess with that progression system. But I mean, they have to introduce something though, because it's just so like- It's limiting ultimately. And yeah, and it like really, um, it kind of, the fact that there isn't an easy way to like just hop back into the, into the, uh, the tours, I guess, is what they call like the, the main games. Um, it reveals just how short the game is, you know, like those are games, if you're really good at those games, you could probably get through them both in around 15 minutes total. 
Um, I'm not that good. I get, I can get through them both in about two hours. Yeah. Uh, total. And now, I mean, and the way I've been getting around it is just, I delete my save and then, you know, play it again because like, it's not that big a deal. I don't care about the overall progression. So I'm just like, you know, I'm playing to just go in and have fun and like, you know, I'll, I'll keep replaying and keep regaining the stats. Like I don't care. But uh, yeah, outside of that one problem, I guess I just want to like foreground that one problem so we can stop talking about it and just talk about how good this game is. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, it's such a, it's a wonderful thing to, to be able to play a game that has uh, uh, not only no story, um, is like a purely arcadey experience and just plays like butter. I, I, I have not, I I have not played a game that just feels that good and is just fun to to experience since. And this might be a controversial take. I don't know. Um, I would say since Metal Gear Solid Five, a game I kind of mm-hmm. loathe outside of the gameplay, um, but I just I I poured like nearly 200 hours into purely because of how much I just liked playing in it. Um, no, I'm, I actually think that's a kind of a great comparison because the thing that worked about Metal Gear Solid Five in terms of how it played was it made movement feel really good. Yeah. Like just, just net, like just controlling uh like the body of the player character in Metal Gear Solid Five felt pretty amazing. And that's kind of the same thing with Tony Hawk is, you know, like it's responsive. The, uh, yeah, just, it, it responds really well. It gives you like, you know, it gives you basically like the full kind of like Tony Hawk, like control uh, capability, you know, Um, as I think we talked about in the, in the, in the episode we did on the demo. And that makes a huge difference. Like it just, you know, you feel like I've never been super into the idea of like player expression in games, but there is just something about this game and how like, how like you can like, you feel this like possibility with like every single aspect of every single level. Like there's just like always some way that you can like, you're looking at this environment and you can look at like any, any given wall, ramp, you know, rail, whatever. And just think of like various ways to like, you know, combine, uh, you know, the body of the board and all of these objects into just some like really cool looking stuff. And like that, that feeling of possibility, that feeling of like, how am I going to like creatively work through this area and, you know, like just rack up a bunch of points. Like, like it just like always feels like it, it's just, yeah, it's it's so empowering, honestly. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, like people talk about games as power fantasies. I feel like this is one that actually, it, and like I never feel that when I play games. But like, this is like, it actually does feel really empowering and it feels just like a, a, like a really lovely digital space to just kind of like work your way through. It just, it feels so good. Yeah, and and that in addition with the um, with some of the added features that came from from later games, because I, I think we talked about this on the last time. I only ever played the first two. I think I might have touched three a little bit. I think I might have played some of three, but um, mm-hmm. my experience with it was a lot more limited than the first two games growing up. And I never played four of the underground games, but I know the underground games introduced the wall ride mechanic, which like 
mm. became a pretty essential component of the franchise, which like, which is rather is like a very essential component of this game now. Mm. And it, and it, it takes and runs with, with what you're talking about of like basically setting a point A to point B for yourself and it makes it that much more engaging to get to point B. So like, if you, if you're in a, in a space that maybe has no ramps or verts or, or um, like uh, poles to grind on, there's a wall to ride on at least to get you to that next pole or to get you to that next vert. Um, and yeah. it just, it, it makes it, it gives you this sense of like, you are always perpetually doing something on the map um there's like there's truly like never a dull moment um it's very rare that you find yourself just going forward waiting for the next piece of the environment to interact with that is if you're like if you're good enough uh that is basically almost never an option in the game um yeah and like and that's actually one thing that's really interesting about coming back to these particular levels is that you know one and two are probably well especially tony hawk one is like the most restrictive uh these games ever were in terms of like what you could actually do you know like you couldn't manually couldn't revert you couldn't wall plant and the yeah and like going back to like levels from one and just being able to do all of these different uh moves in these levels that are like still like really tight and really just really really good like it's it feels and i can't believe i'm saying this about like a remaster of something but like it feels so freeing like there's something like actually very liberating it's like you know as though like you have you know you've been in like this space in like one particular way and you're returning to it in a way that like, you know, where you feel this like just increased capacity to improvise. Like it really, really, uh, and, and like that in combination with just how good the game feels to play. Like it, like, it, like it had this kind of like affective, like resonance with me where it just like, I've had like these moments while playing the game and I, and I want to get into like kind of like more of how like the visuals also and the music kind of uh, really contribute contribute to this. But yeah, just like the, these moments where like I have felt, especially in the context of sitting around at home and like, yeah, you know, like feeling the four, like feeling the four walls closing in there's something about being in these kind of like confined Tony Hawk levels and having this like full move set in this game that feels just really good to play that like, you know, like it's transforming a small space, like the small space of the Tony Hawk level of the Tony Hawk level. Cause these levels are pretty small and being able to see possibility and uh, in like creativity in a space so small that really hits hard in our present context for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, that is actually uh, uh, when you, that was going to sort of hit my next point is in the present context. It is also, it's kind of like, if, if you recall um, a couple months ago, we had a conversation about uh, uh, playing VR chat um, yeah. and about how like, despite the fact that that game is, is uh, bizarre and oftentimes crass and and a million other adjectives that don't necessarily equate with with pleasantness um it's a game that feels like going out and kind of having a social life and being engaged in the real world even though you're not um and tony hawk is is sort of tapping into 
a similar a similar thing as well because even though i am not a skater i'm the least coordinated person i know um but uh, uh, it, 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 you are in these environments, which are mostly urban environments. You know, you're in a, in a, uh, uh, um, a high school or, a, or, a, yeah, I think it's a high school, um, in Miami, or you're in, you know, the streets of downtown Minneapolis or you're, you're wherever. Um, and it, it is this feeling and, and it's these fully realized, beautifully fleshed out worlds that have so much rich detail to them and so many little things for your eye to catch at any given point um and it and it gives you this feeling of of kind of being out because these are also real grounded worlds too obviously there's a few exceptions you have area 51 and skate heaven later on in the games which are like pure fantasy but for the most part these are real grounded urban worlds and it kind of feels like being out interacting with the real world again, even though it's a, it's a purely isolated experience. You're the only one on the map, unless you're playing multiplayer. Um, You're these sort of grounded urban environments wherein life is carrying on seemingly as normal. Um, It is, it provides a sort of a, I I guess you could call it a comfort really for lack of a better term. Um, And, and it's, yeah, it is also just, I would say I've played a lot of video games this year, way more than I have in the last several years of my life. Um, Cause what the hell else is there to do? Um, and I, I feel pretty comfortable calling this a, a, and I wouldn't even say like a game of the year contender. I'd say as it stands right now, everything I played, this is my game of the year, like pretty handily. Um, I don't think anything touches it that I've played so far uh yeah i um i mean for me and i think this probably says a lot about what i've been playing this year it's like this or doom eternal just say i've not been playing much this year and i've played doom eternal a lot (laughs) uh but yeah no i i love this game and i think uh and i want to talk about like yeah like the fact that it feels like going outside in a weird way and a lot of that has to do with just like I want to talk about like the way in which these environments are detailed because like, so like the Venice beach level, which is originally in Tony Hawk's pro skater two, there's like, you you know, like you're in this empty area, but like basically the, the lighting, it's like the lighting is like either sunrise or sunset. It's like this lovely, like golden hour side lighting. The area is just covered in graffiti and the, the graffiti in this game is gorgeous, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, the best video game graffiti ever. Like, it's, like, almost like this, like, platonic ideal of graffiti where, you know, like, it's, like, where the graffiti is both very naturalistic. Like, it looks like graffiti that you encounter in the real world. And, like, and it's so dense that it really just, like, it gives all of these kind of, like, you know, static, mostly empty urban environments uh well, it literally gives them color and figuratively gives them color. Like it gives them the sense of like, you know, age and uh, and like presentness in a world. Like, you know, it feels like a space where people go because there's all of this graffiti. And and like my favorite example of that, honestly, is the, uh, is the reimagining of the mall from Tony Hawk 1. That was the example that was immediately coming to mind for me, yeah. Because they, they take that level and like in Tony Hawk 1, like uh, I'm, there's probably some like PS1 graffiti in there, but 
it, it feels more like kind of like a weird fantasy mall and it feels kind of like a fantasy mall here but like they make the choice to make it a a dead mall like this is like this is a mall that is abandoned that is you know like like a silent hill location when you first go into it like it's it's like a little scary almost it's like full of like these mannequins covered in graffiti like broken mess everywhere but but man just like like going back through it again and again and like seeing like yeah like this is like this is like a place where teens hang out is what it feels like you know like it feels like this like abandoned dead space that has like a really rich afterlife of, you know, like, you know, youthful hooligans hanging out and messing the place up. And like that, you know, especially in our present context, that's kind of, what a beautiful thing to do with that space, you know? Oh, yeah. I, it feels like legit urban exploration that that mall stage. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it, to it, another thing to the game's credit that is, uh, I, I don't know how much of an art, like an artistic choice air quotes as you can call it because it was also obviously a huge part of the original franchise too um but something i quite like about it um and it's something that i actually often quite like despite uh it being a fairly um something, something that is received with typically a lot of cynicism and and uh, uh rejection by most consumers i i like some good product placement it makes a world feel more lived in it makes a world feel more um more organic to me um what i think it can be done tastefully and exploitively you know like yeah the latter of course an example being something like the transformers franchise but uh mm. the former i think tony hawk is a great example it, it is covered in skate brands head to toe you've got element vans zoomies logos just plastered everywhere um and the mall is obviously uh, shocker uh, probably one of the biggest um uh stages of just plastering logos everywhere uh but again it makes it feel like you, you all the more it makes it feel like you are in an actual abandoned mall somewhere in the midwest where mall culture has completely died and and uh as you say kids have sort of run amok and and turned it into their own sort of stomping grounds essentially um and yeah i i think uh obviously you know these brands are so essential to skate culture and so essential to Tony Hawk, both uh, the franchise and the, the human being um, that, that like, uh, that like, of course they're going to be there. Um, but it, it's a game that uh, it's a franchise that somehow has always managed to, to have aggressive overt gratuitous product placement and never really feel cynical to, to me anyway i i like seeing it um uh, maybe that says something about me i don't know but but that is always a touch i've really enjoyed about the franchise and i think they use it to great effect here as well yeah there was um i, I think like the only like I, i'm generally i don't i don't like product placement um i even feel kind of bad about like the product placement in say like blade runner where you know like it's like oh, they yeah, there is quite a bit in that movie isn't well, there? well yeah but like i mean it's part of like the, you know it's this like you know like capitalist like hell future right but, but also like but then like then you realize that we're still that we are veering ever closer to that hell future and somehow like the, the using the product placement as uh as cultural commentary like doesn't hit 
quite as well as maybe it did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I rewatched a bit of Blade Runner 2049 uh, this week. And um, oh, why would you do that to yourself these actually, days? I, well, yeah, precisely because these days are happening. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is at least a movie. The movie has a lot of flaws, but at least it's about climate change. And I want to watch something about that. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, sorry. Point being, uh, I so I'm kind of even good product placement. I kind of go meh at, but I mean, so I, I've been like a little turned off by some of it, but like the only thing that feels really egregious because I mean, like, I mean, Tony Hawk is wearing like a birdhouse shirt, you know, he's wearing like his merch in this right. game. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like there's, there are skate brands. This is part of the reality of, playing a game like this uh so whatever but then i also but then i see like there's like this one beats billboard that i think's in like the minneapolis level i think there's like like a beats there's like a beats shirt even i think if i'm not mistaken yeah and like that's the kind of thing where i go like and maybe it's just because i like when i was an undergrad uh the school i was at unc i think like had some kind of like you'd see a lot of people wear it like with like beats headphones uh because they would be sold through the student store and like i i don't like beats because i you know you'd see them and like became this sort of like you know these like signs of class stratification sometimes also just beats headphones aren't that good yeah they're they're just kind of overpriced and like you know they're just bass heavy and i I feel like that was the like so seeing the beats stuff has been like the the one kind of product placement thing where i'm like no but like the the rest of it like you know like i see like the zoomies logo in the san francisco level and i'm like yeah my eyes just kind of glaze over it and i just you know try and find those cop cars to grind on and smash and i feel better yeah it feels like it's supposed to be there it's just it's yeah. and and like we haven't even touched on it. I mean we've just been this has been like a far less analytical discussion of the media that than we usually tend to have it's it's mostly just two guys gushing over a video game they like but it, damn it I like the video game uh yes I, I'm a fan <laughs> of the video game I've been playing the video game constantly and uh, uh we haven't even touched on the the soundtrack which uh one of my sort of uh hesitances going into this game I don't know if hesitances is the right word but but thing that gave me some pause which is synonymous for hesitance doesn't matter point is one thing i was nervous about going into the game was uh was the the new additions to the soundtrack obviously you have uh you have so many classics on the original like anthrax and primus and uh and the dead kennedys and goldfinger of course lest we forget um (laughs) But uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of new additions as well um, from bands like uh, 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 Fiddler and and a lot of others. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, sorry, God. Yeah, but I I was a little I was a little nervous going into it that like that was going to sort of take away from the experience. But th- whoever curated the soundtrack, whoever curated that playlist, did an excellent job because all of the contemporary editions feel perfectly in place they feel like they're supposed to be there uh they they to me they don't detract for a second there's a few duds in there but the game also gives you the option to skip songs at any point um with the click of a button so it it really it, it couldn't bother me less and again just another way that surprised me and uh only ended up heightening the experience even further yeah no i'm inclined to agree yeah like there, like i mean yeah there are a few songs that i don't like on that soundtrack because of course there are but i mean like uh there, but i mean honestly most of the songs i skip are from the original tony hawk 2 soundtrack yeah. um 
but yeah, no, I mean, actually for me personally, like I, I still listen to a lot of junky pop punk, like not even like, not the good, not like, not the good stuff, like bad pop punk. Like I'm, uh, I'm, here's me being incredibly candid with the listeners. There is a, there's a machine gun Kelly song on the soundtrack that is kind of incredibly out of place. It, I, uh, I know the exact like, one, <laughs> but I kind of love it. <laughs> like I kind of love that song. And because it is just like uh it, it is like a slightly worse version of like a lot of other really junky pop punk that i listen to like it is big, it uh, is so aggressively uh, cartoonishly whiny that it circles around to being fantastic yeah like it's uh and, and the thing is like it's like that and like other songs like it like the um there's like the the junk bunny song that kind of has a similar thing going on like the the ataris song yeah like, there's like enough stuff that's like kind of like other like dumb pop punk bands that i like that like it's a certain like it feels like this kind of like advanced nostalgia thing that's being targeted directly at me where it's like you know i can trace the kind of like the the pro- where it's like this this kind of stuff that I still seek out in, uh, you know, like in this other form that is, you know, it's like they updated the graphics and they updated the dumb pop punk all for oh, yeah. me. They did even, it all for me. Even you know? like, even uh, like, I mean, going back to what I was saying, like, like Fiddler, the Fiddler song they use, a band which 90% of their music is just about like doing cocaine in the bathroom at LA parties. Um, they, they have a song that it, the song they pick is just about being a, a bored teenager in the suburbs. Like they, <laughs> they, they curated it perfectly. Yeah. And like the, um, I'll say like the experience that I, the really embarrassing experience I had that I, that I tweeted about actually was like, there was just like, oh God, there was like a moment on the, um, on the skate heaven level where it's like, you start that up and like, you hear the voice of God just say skate on my son. And like, <laughs> and I, I hit that and like the, that, and that stupid machine gun Kelly song was playing. And I had like an actual emotional reaction to that. <laughs> like I was just like, I'm feeling some like prime dumb guy emotions right now. Like there's just like something so like, I, I, yeah i don't know like it's like some kind of like emotional horseshoe theory where it just like went around from being like so dumb like it was so dumb that it went around and came, became like just uh y- you know like this profound like i will skate on <laughs> i'll continue <laughs> skating on here i am i'm doing everything i can it, holding on to what i am it is i can't remember the i can't remember the rest of the lyrics pre- pretend that i'm a superman okay. you had it ah <laughs> I, I told you this story off mic a few weeks ago, but I did. Uh, I did uh, a couple years ago. I, I went to a, a Goldfinger show in Huntington Beach. Or it was. It was a. Yeah, yeah. It was a festival of like '90s punk bands. So it was Goldfinger, Bad Religion, No Effects, a, f- a few others. Um, but uh, yeah, there was one guy that tried to pick a fight in the middle of Superman uh, with another guy in front of him. And, everybody just immediately was like what what are you doing it, it's goldfinger it, at least wait till bad religion to get in a fight stop it like this is not the time or place for this yeah yeah that that is just that is so uncalled for like you don't you don't fight during goldfinger no no you hug your fellow man and you have a you have a you have a you like a, a chill your, bro down 
Exactly. You put your arm around your, your friend and you get in the pit and you just skank. That's all exactly. You do, you exactly. Know? It's so simple. Um, well, uh, I, I think that's going to have to, unfortunately, wrap it up for us. I could still go on and on for another half hour easily. Oh, same. Um, but uh, another conversation for another day, I suppose. Um, anyway, Justin, what are your thoughts on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 Plus 2? Good or bad? Good. Me too. Also good. Yay. Uh, everybody should play it unless you don't like video games, in which case, eh, maybe don't play it. I don't know. But I, eh, my girlfriend doesn't like video games and she's been having a blast with it too. So even if you don't like video games, you should play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2, I think. Yeah, like unless you are like uh, a senator from the 90s who's like really offended <laughs> by like the idea of like hooliganness. Or something you should play tony hawk's pro skater one plus two definitely uh, and you know what even if you are newt gingrich give it a shot who knows <laughs> maybe maybe you'll be into it maybe this could teach newt gingrich to, to just chill out a little bit and stop uh blathering on about george soros on tv that'd be cool topical uh <laughs> anyway it doesn't matter uh point is it's the good game and considering it's also got a $40 price tag i am near positive this is a game as a service and i am near positive we will see more additions to that soundtrack more addition to that uh to that uh, uh skater roster probably just gonna see three four and or the underground games added at some point too probably yeah um, I, I i look forward to the future of this game and this franchise on a whole this is a a bright and shiny new day um and and one of the few really great things about 2020 to hold on tightly to because it's very nice and good yeah it has been it has been the good thing of this last month yes yes it has uh all right well that's gonna do it for us this week uh stay safe stay healthy uh all that good stuff etc etc take care everybody yep take care